Hello there. Hey, John. How are you? I'm okay. Your voice is very deep, as promised. Yeah, I'm a little bit sick, a little congested, so I sound super cool. You sound like you might be wearing a pair of sunglasses indoors. I am, and that's all that I'm wearing. Um, <clears throat> last week. Yes, last week. I did the, well, maybe two weeks ago. I did the edit, and then you requested that we had a cold open, but we hadn't actually recorded it. Right, should we record it now? I guess so. Okay, what should it be? Should it just be me coughing? It could be. <clears throat> I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, you sound upbeat, fun. Uh, yeah, that's my normal, my normal state, don't you think? <laughs> when people think of me, they think, oh, Johnny's a really upbeat, fun kind of guy. Let me switch ports on my laptop. Maybe that will affect it. Uh, okay, is there static now? No, that's better. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, perfect. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, let's do, let's, let's, can we just start over from the beginning? Okay. All right. Hi, Johnny. Uh, you sound really, you sound really upbeat and fun. Okay, wait. Again. Hi, John. Is that, were you clapping or were you slapping part of yourself? I, I mean, a clap is a slap. technically true but that's like a square is a rectangle but a rectangle is not a square you know what i mean oh boy okay yeah uh, my one hand was slapping my other my other hand was it were they both into it uh the right was more into it than the left which is so the left was kind of just sitting there by itself and it got slapped uh-huh it's not cool <laughs> i guess subconsciously i was doing <laughs> a clapperboard is, is that a british thing again i don't know maybe uh, what do you call the thing that they use when they mark a new scene in a TV show or a movie while they're filming it? Oh, yeah, I have no idea. I think it's a clapperboard. Um, I think that that is what it's called, but I also think that sounds super British. Okay, thanks. <clears throat> You're welcome. Your voice is so low, John. Yeah, I'm a little bit under the weather. It sounds extremely low. Sorry. Do you, you... Know our friend, you know our friend Joel? Yes. I mean, my friend Joel, he's more like, uh, what is he to you? Um, he's, a, he's a man that I have seen a few times. Yeah. Uh, this morning, my wife said that I sounded just like him. And she said, you should, you should call him up. Because Joel has a deep voice. Uh -huh. She said, you should call him up and leave a voicemail. And I said, uh, no, because it, it, the joke won't work. He doesn't know what he sounds like. No one knows what they sound like. That's true. So to to him, it would just be me calling him up, sounding congested, and leaving a weird voicemail on Valentine's Day. Well, what would the prank have been? Uh, the prank could have been that you were him and you were calling from the future. So, <laughs> so that is actually exactly what I suggested to my wife. Right. Yeah. But then I didn't follow through with it because, <laughs> because he would know that that wasn't him. Right. He would, he would never even suspect that it was him. Well, maybe you should have turned the tables on your wife 
um, by leaving a voicemail for her and pretending to be Joel. I should have. Well, let's talk about your cold. Oh, let's talk about my cold. It's the, my second cold in six weeks. The first one was a flu, not a cold. I mean, you've had a cough in episodes one and two. Yeah, that's going to be my thing. Like, you know, people need to like know what my thing is to identify me. Are there any periods in the year when you do not have a cough? Nope. It's just cough town for you? Yeah. Uh, it's great, though, because this way, when someone else, you know, coughs, a listener to our podcast, <laughs> uh-huh. we'll say, oh, you know what? I listen to a podcast where there's a guy that coughs all the time. You should listen to it. Oh, that's the one descriptive line that they would use? <laughs> yeah. There's two guys. One's British, one coughs. <laughs> yeah. They'll say, they'll say, oh, your cough reminds me of this wonderful podcast. That's a one-star review from me. John. Russell. Are you a sentimental person? Uh, I can be, sure. I think you are too. Yeah? Yeah, I think I am. I'm pretty sentimental. Were you asking for a specific reason or you're just curious <laughs> to know more about me? I mean, I mean, I'm trying to find a thing for us to talk about. Uh, not that. Did you have, when you asked that question, did you have anywhere to go with it or were you hoping I would just launch into a sentimental story? Yeah, I was hoping that you would. Well, I mean, I'm just looking, um, I'm looking to reach out and find other people who, who are as sentimental as me. Yeah. Any luck so far? No. Yeah. Everyone hates being sentimental. It doesn't usually pay off. No. Um, I think it depends on the environment that you grew up in, right? Was your family sentimental? Mm, that's a good question. My family, were they sentimental? No, my dad threw away a lot of like expensive antiques. You know what my dad throws away? He throws away paintings that he makes. Wow. Like he just paints them and then he destroys them? Yeah, he'll put them out by the curb for the trash to pick up. <laughs> I'm not making that wow, up. Wow, that's bleak. <laughs> not all of them, of course. And he sits on them for a while until he decides that he doesn't like it. And then uh, and then that's it. So it's not like the paint is still wet? Uh, no. He gets some pleasure from them? Uh, I don't know if he gets pleasure from them. He paints them. Does he give them away or sell them or exhibit them somewhere? Or he just... He paints some are, some are sold, some are exhibited, and then some are just put out in the trash. Uh, you know, one thing that he painted once was the edge of the driveway. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, there's the, uh, I'm sure there's a name for it. There's probably some British name for it. There's the driveway comes along, the driveway meets the sidewalk, and then that little apron of the driveway that extends from the sidewalk to the road. Mm-hmm. What's that called? In the UK, it's called a drop curb. Are you making that up? No. Okay. Uh, in the U.S., I don't know what it would be called, but so my dad painted his. Uh, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to remember why he did this. Uh, he painted a picture of his drop curb, or he painted the drop curb. No, 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 no. He painted the drop curb itself. I think that maybe maybe it was cracking. Some cracks were developing. I don't really remember his reason for this. He painted it, and uh, he didn't really use the proper paint that you would use for painting a driveway or some kind of sealant or whatever you would use. And as a result, he just painted it black. As a result, it didn't quite match anything else. It didn't match the road. It didn't match the rest of the driveway. 
And in the rain, it would get really slippery. And on more than one occasion, uh, the postal carrier uh, was walking across it and slipped and fell. Wow. Yeah. And did not, did not sue my dad. He used a gloss paint? Yeah, it was glossy. Uh, do you think that that drop curve is still painted in that gloss paint? Like it was impossible to remove? I mean, I would imagine so. I think maybe, maybe some of it wore off over the years. Uh, I was there. I was there a few months ago. I should have looked. I don't remember. Your dad still lives in the house. He does. Yeah. This wasn't the same house that you grew up in. Uh, correct. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I feel like I won. <laughs> <laughs> you always win. If a person uh, says correct to me instead of right, then I feel like I've, yeah, I'm, I've gained a point. Yeah. I mean, I'm just basically my role in our friendship is to make you feel as good as possible at all times. Thanks. You're welcome. Correct. My role, my role is to ridicule you and, yeah. and make myself feel better because my self-esteem is so low. Yeah. Whatever works for you. I'm here for you. I did an escape room last week oh i did one of those and the people that ran it cheated tell me about yours they cheated <laughs> yeah uh mine was fun it was called stash house and was it were you the only participant no it um it was me and a bunch of friends okay there were nine of us or ten of us sure and it was themed like an apartment uh-huh are you are you sure you didn't just break into someone's apartment <laughs> I mean, it was fun to rifle through their things, and they had a lot of puzzles laid out. Yeah. It was themed like an apartment, and the concept was a drug dealer wanted to expand his his team or his crew, uh -huh. um, and this apartment was a test. Um, so, like, you go in, and it's immediately in-world, and like the first guy explains that it's a test, um, and you see a video of this drug dealer. Um, and the test is that there are drugs hidden in the apartment somewhere. And he he's called the cops already. Um, and the cops are on their way. They'll take like an hour to get there. So you, you have to find and do all the drugs before the cops arrive. Um, although doing the drugs in this respect is flushing them down a toilet. Well, that seems wasteful. Because think about how much work went into making those drugs and then transporting them. Like a lot of people put their lives at risk. You're just going to flush it down the toilet. Um, I'm not going back in the slam uh, for nobody. <laughs> I've never heard a more unnatural sounding phrase emanate from you from your mouth. I've been working on that line. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. Thanks. Keep working. So how was your escape room? <clears throat> My escape room was fine. Uh, it was So what happened was that the rule was that you can't bring any tools. No outside tools can be brought into the room. Uh, I managed to find something that I could use as a tool and I took the screws out of a box and took this thing apart and found a clue that was like several steps ahead of where we should have been. And the person who worked there who was sort of uh, overseeing things uh, saw what I had done and then called on their little radio, you know, to some other person with a little radio and explained what had happened and they said, seal it back up. Uh, and to me that seemed a little unfair because, you know, I hadn't done anything outside of the rules. Uh, so I would say it was a disappointment overall. Was that your your general approach? You just found a thing that you could use as a screwdriver and just went around undoing everything? Yeah, I would do uh, undo everything that I could. And then I'd, I'll, I'll also use a screwdriver for 
building things. I built some new things too. <laughs> uh, you took in some, some Ikea flat pack furniture and just built it? Yeah. Uh, and they were fine with that. They said I was welcome to build things, uh, just not take anything apart. So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to spend an hour locked in a room, then you may as well get some chores done. That's kind of how I felt. I was trying to multitask. Um, I think I feel like we should move into our our uh, stories. <clears throat> okay, fine. Stories. Stories. It's my turn to go first this week, right? Go for it. Sure. I don't know, but it, it doesn't matter who goes first. If it's that important, you you can go first. I mean, I guess it feels nice that we alternate each week. Yeah. Okay. I was once rescued from deep snow by the police. Is that your entire story? Yes, I've finished. And I assume you mean uh, the authorities, not the band, the police. Yes, police with a lowercase p. Okay. That would be a better story, though, if it were the band. If the band police uh, just showed up to rescue me? Yeah, or not even to rescue. They are just, like, maybe they were also trapped in the snow. <laughs> and then together, you guys came together as a team. And I mean, they got out first, and then they were like, well, I guess we'll... We'll drag this guy out too. They thought you were a member. That's how you joined the police. They thought you were a member <laughs> of their band. Right. There was that six month period when I was playing with them. Yeah. <laughs> if it was the band, the police, then I would have mentioned this already. Uh, yeah, probably. That's true. Um, okay. So you were in the snow, deep snow. How deep is steep? Like it was over your head? No, it was over my knees. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I hope. I hope you were a child in this story. No, I was 27. You were 27 and the snow was just above your knees and you needed to be rescued? Yes. Okay. I, on, the, on the surface, I want to say this is a true story because it sounds so ridiculous uh, that you'd expect me to believe something this, this dumb. Uh, tell me more. What was the circumstance? Were you in the middle of a, a frozen lake or what was happening? I was on the outskirts of a smallish town in... Sweden. Okay. And it was four o'clock in the morning. Okay. And uh, where were you and how had you gotten there? I was living in Copenhagen. This is another, um, another story from my period of living in the Danish capital. And I was taking a flight to see my girlfriend. I can't remember where I was flying to. Um, if it was where she lived or we were uh, we're flying to a third destination. But it was one of those very, very cheap flights. Um, a budget Ryanair flight, which back then... And the plane went down, and you were stranded in the snow. You were the sole survivor. The plane went down. It was just me and Sting. <laughs> was he the pilot of the plane, too? <laughs> yeah, he was the pilot. We ate the rest of the band. <laughs> Just, it was it was only 4 a.m. You guys must have been hungry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the plane went down at 3.30 a.m. I just hadn't had dinner. What do you think? What do you, what do you think in, in the history of the world, in all the instances of people uh, being forced to partake in cannibalism, what do you think is the shortest period of time before someone's like, I have to eat you? Right. I mean, it depends on like what the chances of being rescued, right? Yeah. Or how, um, how like fatalistic you are. Yeah. Do you think, do you think like 12 hours, it could happen within 12 hours? Yeah. Really? 
What was the movie that was based on the the real story of the plane crash in the snowy mountains? Alive? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, was that a sports team that crashed? I can't remember if I even saw that movie. I may have. I think I saw that. Yeah, I think that came out in the 90s, maybe. Oh, no, I didn't see it then. Uh, and you think it happened within 12 hours that they ate somebody? Yeah, I guess it was longer. But like, well, like if it was just you, like if you were the sole surviving member and you were on uh, like some a very remote location in the French Alps and it was snowy and the plane had crashed and you were lying there, you were fine um, and there was no communications and you were pretty certain that there was no chance of you surviving and then there were just all these fresh and tasty bodies laying around everywhere. Right. See, it's hard to say because on the one hand, I feel like I'd be grossed out to eat a person, but probably a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? Yeah, I don't know. And your lifetime is about to end, so why not? Uh, although on the other hand, if it's about to end, why why do that if I want to die anyway? Why tarnish your legacy? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't want to be thought of as the guy who crashed, survived, and then ate somebody, right? I want to be the guy who crashed and survived. When they eventually come and they find your frozen body in the tundra, <laughs> you'll be like yeah. mid mid chump into a a woman's thigh. Yeah, yeah. If I did it, if I did it, if I did it, I would put the fork back in the person's hand. <laughs> so it would look like they did that to themselves. <laughs> you know, like when you murder somebody, you put the gun in their hand to cover it up. Yeah, no, that's smart. Yeah, just wipe off the fingerprints. So getting back to your story of survival. Yeah, this wasn't um, a plane crash. <laughs> um, it was a cheap budget flight. Um, I think it cost like one pound. Um, and like officially it went from Copenhagen, but it, um, but it actually went from, uh, from Malmo Airport, which is like the city in Sweden, which is just over the border and the, the river or the sound uh, from Denmark. Okay. Um, and so you had to go out there. And I think my flight was, uh, was due to leave, say, um, at 10 p.m. Well, so just to be clear, this flight flies out of Copenhagen and, and lands just over the border? No, no. Uh, the flight was leaving from Sweden. Oh, okay. I got it. The flight is scheduled to fly from Copenhagen. Um, but often with these budget flights um, in Europe, they just like name like the nearest big and known place. Got it. Um, but actually the airport is like a separate a separate tiny airport from a different town. Okay. Um, and so I got to the airport in Malmo, which is actually outside of Malmo as well. Um, and then we boarded the plane at, say, 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. And then um, it had been snowing already, but a blizzard started. And I guess the plane was iced up and it was not safe for us to take off. And they kept us on the plane for like four hours. And, th and then eventually they canceled the flight. And by this point, it was 2 a.m. or some early morning hours. And so you just decided to walk? Well, they shuttled us all back into the terminal, but this was like a tiny regional airport. Okay. And this terminal building was very, very small. And I don't think the heat was on. And there were like three chairs and nowhere to sleep. But at that point, there were some taxis outside. And my plan was, um, I had some friends in a nearby university town called Lund. 
uh-huh. which was maybe a 30-minute drive from this airport. And um, I got the taxi to take me there. And then we arrived. Um, and they were living in, like, university halls. And I didn't know exactly where they were. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'd been there a couple of times, but I didn't have their address. And, like, I paid the taxi um, and I waved it goodbye. And then... Wait, have you have you called your friends at this point to tell them that you're coming at 2.30 in the morning? No, I think... Yeah, I can't remember this, but maybe I didn't have their phone number. Maybe I did call them and they didn't answer and I just decided to go anyway. Because you thought they like you so much as a person, they'll just be welcome, welcoming to you when you show up at 2.30 in the morning without calling. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, a 27-year-old... <clears throat> I mean, yeah, like the other thing was I felt like pretty like casual about this. I mean, like it was bad and it was uncomfortable, but yeah, like I wasn't panicking by this point. Um, but then like I reached, I reached like roughly where I thought they lived from, uh, from my memory of like the two times that I had been there. And then I paid the taxi, the taxi drove off. Um, I did eventually find uh, the house or their accommodation. Um, but they weren't home or they weren't answering the door. And so I was banging on the door um, and nobody came out and the snow was getting worse. And it, you just stood there until the snow accumulated over your legs. <laughs> you had to call for help. I was like, if it's still below my shins, then I'm going to be fine. But if it touches, if a single flake, if it touches my kneecaps, then it's 911 or 999. And so did you actually need help from the police in this circumstance or did you just want attention? Well, it gets... It gets more severe, I guess, in that um, I then decided to try and walk and find a hotel. Uh-huh. Um, and this was in like the other uh, pre-smartphone days. And so I didn't have a map or any kind of right. useful information. Um, and I remember that I started walking and it was cold and I wasn't really dressed appropriately. I think I was wearing a hoodie with uh-huh. like a padded vest over the top. Um, and I had gloves and a hat maybe. Um, and I started walking and then like I started leaving the town. Um, and I assumed that there would be a hotel um, on like a freeway or, or like a motorway nearby. And then the snow started to get worse and worse and it got even colder. And then like I started to panic because I realized that I had gone too far and my consciousness was in danger. Within the space of like 10 minutes, so suddenly it got, it got scary. Um, and I was just alone. And then maybe five minutes later, um, I just happened to see, like there were no cars driving on the roads. I didn't see like another human this entire time. Um, and then I just saw one police car was driving through the snow. And so I flagged down the police car and I tried to um, explain a version of the story um, in English to this Swedish policeman. Um, but eventually he just drove me to a nearby hotel and then and then the two of you had a lovely evening together <laughs> yeah uh, we just hung out and watched the movie alive <laughs> talked about if we were stranded who would eat the other one first right and what did you decide uh it was him because he was a cop yeah he's the authority figure yeah yeah makes sense yeah so i think i got to this hotel at like four in the morning and I paid for like a full night's of accommodation to sleep there for like two hours. And then I had to be back at the airport for my, my new flight. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I feel like this story is not true. And here's why I think this is not true. Mm-hmm. It, makes you sound, <laughs> it makes you sound super dumb. <laughs> which part? Well, before I tell you, which part sounds like the dumbest? 
So I think I think leaving to go to a friend's a friend's place where you don't have the address at two thirty in the morning when you know you have to be back at the airport in the next morning anyway, uh, and the place is a thirty minute drive seems dumb. It's not getting trapped in snow. It's just the idea that you would go out, you know, searching for a friend who you vaguely know where they live when you could just stay at the airport, you know, in a chair or I'm sure that there's, you said it's a small airport, but I'm sure there's something nearby. I'm sure there's somebody who could tell you where there's a, a hotel nearby. So I, I want to I go with that. This is a lie. I think this is a lie. Or are you actually this dumb? The story is true. My goodness, Russell. It also seems unlike you because I think typically you wouldn't want to impose upon someone in that way, like just showing up at 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, like it's hard to remember the exact decisions I made and why. Yeah. Yeah, like it was a sense of escalation, like a series of like things that didn't seem that consequential that just built up. And then once you've done them, you're kind of like, well, I've gone this far. I better, I better really like dig in my heels. Yeah, like from memory, like I think like we had been stuck on this plane for like four hours. Uh-huh. And so it was like very like cramped and just annoying um, and frustrating. And then, <laughs> and then I kind of remember getting back into this like tiny terminal and it was clear that, yeah, like that there wasn't um, like um, enough seats or benches for, uh, for people to sleep on. And I think it was cold and not great. Uh, and there was a line of taxis outside. Um, and it just seemed like, yeah, like a promising thing. Say it was like 1 a.m. at this point, and the flight was probably going to be rescheduled for like 7 a.m. Right. Then it just felt like it made sense that I could jump into a warm taxi and in like half an hour I could be at a friend's house. Right. <laughs> um, and I had stayed at this friend's house before. Okay. So you'd already imposed upon them. Right. Well, I mean, because it was in a different country from the country I lived, uh, but still very nearby. Yeah. Then it was fairly common that, yeah, like I would go over there and we would go and see a band or something and then I would crash with them. Right. I mean, not common, but like a few times. So did the cops speak any English? Yeah, they spoke English. Um, it was broken and not great, but yeah. I mean, we understood each other's language. I'm not sure that he understood why why I was wading through the snow <laughs> on the outside of a small university town, not wearing the right clothing. Yeah. Uh, when you first presented the story, I thought that you were suggesting that your feet were actually stuck in the snow. Oh. And they had to, yeah. Like I had licked a frozen pole or something? Something. Something had gotten you stuck there. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> um, I'm sorry that you think less of me now, but... I mean, that's not, that's not possible. I couldn't possibly. It was a pretty low bar. Yeah. Uh, did you ever do anything to thank that cop? No. Like a hug or something? I mean, I'm sure I said thank you when he took me to the hotel. Yeah. Uh, he didn't know of like one hotel that was still open that would, yeah, that had someone on the front desk at that time that would let me stay there. So. Do you, do you think that there's a chance that you now could have, could have died out there? Yeah, like it suddenly got bad. Like I realized, yeah, that I was, uh, they hadn't seen anyone for like a long time. Yeah. And I was moving away from like buildings and I was kind of like I was getting lost. I mean, the blizzard was getting worse. Yeah. So there was a period of like 10 minutes when I was panicking. Yeah, that's scary. If, if you had died out there, we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. That is one of the consequences. Yeah. 
Oh, that's one of the pros. Okay, is it time for my story? Do we have a do we have, do we normally have some kind of a segue between the two? I don't remember. No, not really a segue. I mean, we go through the story afterwards. I wish we did. Okay, here's my story. <clears throat> my dad, when he discovered a leak in his roof in the living room, rather than fixing the leak, he installed a rain gutter inside that went from the living room into the kitchen sink. <laughs> a great premise. Yeah. <laughs> My first question is, um, I love the way that you say roof. Uh, what did I say? Roof? Rough. Yeah. That's fine. That's uh, East, East Coast, Eastern, Eastern States thing, right? Uh, you know, I don't really know where, where the breakdown occurs. And how do you say roofs? The plural. Uh, it's hard to know on the spot. I don't know. Roofs, roofs. I think I say roofs. That's cool. It's yeah. hilarious to me. Yeah. It's like, call, it's like calling something a clapperboard. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, which I think is still the technical term. Yeah. Uh, there are so many of these things that are going on t-shirts. <laughs> I think technically the, in, in the U.S., I think we call them slapperboards. Oh, slapperboards? <laughs> Yeah, because you're not—they're not—you're not clapping them together. Only one part is coming down, like the way that you clap your hands. Right. True. Slapper versus clapper. clapper. <laughs> that could be true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's amazing. We share um, a language, but we are separated by an ocean. Yeah, it's pretty different. Well, was was this leak in the house where he's living now? Yeah, it's in it's in the current house. He's been in that house for decades. Right, so we already know that he is prone to ill-advised <laughs> DIY tasks. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm surprised that he didn't just paint the uh, the ceiling in a in a high gloss paint. I'm um, in hope that the rain would just run off inside somewhere, or just paint uh, water stains all over the entire ceiling, <laughs> so you can't really tell where it's coming from. Right, the brown patchy aesthetic is nice. Yeah. Uh, my first thought is that. If the roof was leaking, then how did it get uh -huh. down to the floor where the kitchen was? Uh, maybe there's some confusion as to how I described it. What do you mean to the floor? Well, let me back up. Is this a, um, a multi-story house or is it a single-story house? Oh, oh, oh. It's a single-story. Oh, no. It's a two-story two, two house, but the back portion of the living room is in addition, so it's a single-story single there. The roof was not a pitched roof. It was just a flat roof on that section. No, it was pitched. Okay. So the leak was going through the roof and through some kind of attic space and then down through the ceiling. Correct. Yeah. And how long had this leak been there or been noticeable for? Uh, I don't know. I would imagine, I would imagine he'd probably want to, uh, repair it. <laughs> I use the term loosely, uh, repair it as quickly as possible. So you know, probably he would have noticed it like that day or something. Right. But do you think that he tried to repair it in different ways before? Or this was his, his go-to fix? No, no, no. Uh, he didn't want to go on the roof because, or roof, as you like to call it. Uh, he didn't want to go on there because it was wintertime uh, and there was snow on top, which is what was melting and leaking. Well, uh, this all sounds about right. <clears throat> yeah. My story checks out. I mean, I've quizzed you on the technical and mechanical aspects of your story. Yeah, what else could there be? And that all seems true. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I can see that putting a rain gutter out as a temporary fix, like while the snow is still there and melting, but you're saying that uh, that he kept it up for a while? Uh, well, until wintertime was over. Okay. And how long was that? Uh, I don't know. I would guess, you know, maybe several weeks or a month or six weeks. I don't know. And he just had a um, a spare piece of rain gutter that was capped at one end and that, that was the length of... Uh, from the leak to the sink? Either he had it or he went and he bought it. I'm not sure. He may have had it. Yeah, he he's the kind of guy who has like has stuff in his garage. So he may be, or, or what do you call it? Garage? How do you pronounce garage? Carport? I say garage. Garage. Uh, yeah, he may have he may have had some in there. He has a lot of like stuff in his in his garage, you know? Yeah. Uh, actually, garage is one word that, uh, that I modify here. Oh. That's thoughtful of you. It's an easy one. It's a gimme. Yeah. Um, it seems very different to have a leak and think like, you know, what can I do to divert this water away? Oh, I have some gutter and then just put it up. Uh, versus actually going out to a store and buying that yeah. as your fix. <laughs> right? Like the first one seems kind of appropriate. It's like, well... Yeah. Maybe a bucket won't hold all of this water, but I can and I can channel it down into right the the sewerage. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is like if you put a bucket there, you, that's maintenance. You have to tend to that on a regular basis. Yeah, you got to stay there and look at it. There's no leaving it. If it runs into the sink, you're done. Walk away. Go on vacation. Okay. Oh, so maybe he did go out to the store, but he knew that it was like a semi-permanent fix. Maybe, yeah. Hmm. He's a smart guy. He's super smart. And I mean, did you see this contraption, this invention? Uh, I saw, I saw a photograph of it. Oh, he sent you a photo? No, no, no. My sister-in-law saw because oh. I wasn't. I was in California. Uh, she took a photo and sent it to me and said, "You know, look what your dad has done." Basically. Right. So, what were the emotions of your family? Like, was he proud? Was your sister-in-law um, impressed, or were they both kind of? My sister-in-law would have been sort of dumbfounded. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad probably would probably some, some level of pride, you know, at having solved the problem in a way that didn't require, uh, having to hire anybody, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think he likes to think that, that anything that someone else can do, uh, in the realm of home improvements that he can also do them. Uh, I think, I think his wife was a little bit annoyed because the gutter made it hard to wash the dishes because it sort of ran into the space just above the sink you could use the runoff <laughs> only if it were a heavy enough leak otherwise you're gonna be washing dishes for a long time you know one final question on the mechanics how did he support sure the gutter that's a good question uh you know rain gutters are i think not super heavy uh they're they're like a thin aluminum uh so i think that he probably just suspended it uh with string or something like that from the ceiling oh um, I had um, imagined it as being like propped up on one end on a series of buckets, maybe the buckets that he should have used. <laughs> uh, no, so so above above the sink in the kitchen, there's a, an open, uh, like a window shape. Again, I'm sure there's a name for this. Uh, so you can look directly from the kitchen sink into the living room. So it was basically just a straight shot. Uh, he maybe even could have rested it on the edge of that uh that sill there um is it a window or just an opening it's just an opening 
It's just an opening. There's, there's no, yeah, there's nothing there. It's not glazed. Yeah, I don't think that's called a window. It's a hatch. Yeah, it's not called a hatch. Or a hole. Anyway, I mean, that's a, um, is a critical point if a section of gutter has to go through it. Yeah, it was not a physical window. Well, um, here's another difference. We don't say gutter. What do you say? We say Tr- guttering. Guttering. Yeah. Okay. Like, look at the guttering on that house. Yeah. I want to learn a lot of British uh, terms doing this with you. Yeah. I mean, guttering is the, the best. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and this solution worked completely. Like, there was no runoff. There were no spills. Like, he just put it up, and then all of the water uh, was channeled down into the sink. Yeah, it worked like a charm. I'm going to say that this is true because there's a lot of details, and <clears throat> it doesn't seem like the craziest thing like if you said that he had kept it up for like years and like that was just his like permanent fix to this yeah uh which is where i thought you were going at the start but if it was just yeah it was a temporary thing for some weeks or even months and there was snow on the ground uh i guess it seems seems reasonably smart or practical i mean it it's funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh it is it is a true story you're correct he did a lot of, we could probably do a podcast just about my dad's home improvements. Uh, he did a lot of things to that house that uh, he thought were improvements or he thought were fixes that maybe to a more discerning eye weren't as successful as he had thought uh, thought them to be. Um, he put new uh, cabinet doors uh, in the kitchen and they were... Uh, now, when you think of a cabinet door, what do you picture in your head in terms of the details of the door? Maybe some kind of inset, um, a knob, right? hinges. Mm-hmm. Sure, those are all the sort of the fundamental things that make it a, a cabinet door. Uh, they open from left to right or from, from right to left. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you also imagine probably some sort of delicate or subtle uh, decorative elements, right? Maybe some, some bevels. Yep. Yeah. Some bevels. Yeah. Some inserts. Yeah. Things like that. So he they're definitely painted or they're colored in some way. Again. Yeah. Uh, typically. Uh, so he installed new kitchen or new cabinet doors for everything in his kitchen. Uh, they consisted of super thick pieces of wood, uh, much thicker than really is necessary for a, a cabinet door. Uh, <clears throat> he sanded the corners by hand to make them a little bit round. And then he put, and I don't really know how to describe this in a way that's going to communicate to you how awful it looked. Uh, picture a really thick cabinet door. And now picture uh, <clears throat> a square shape on top of that door, you know, on the face of that door, uh, with thinner, uh, not thinner, equally thick wood, just more narrow. So a big, a big, clunk, a big clunky, uh, what he would call a decoration. Um, I don't really know. Uh, that wasn't the knob. That was a decorative element. That was a decorative element, equally as thick as the door itself. Uh, and then, of course, a knob. Uh, in one instance, the door that he needed to make was was so wide, and he couldn't. He swore that he couldn't find uh, a piece of wood wide enough. So he used two pieces of wood, and then attached them. And how do you imagine he would attach them to make a, a single solid door? Well, um, I guess the correct way would be some kind of dovetail jointing or sure. uh, 
the hacky way. Might just be putting them together and gluing them, but then putting some supports on the inside. Either of those could work, I think. He just hinged them together. Oh, hinges. Yeah, so you had a door that was, uh, one piece of wood was almost wide enough, and then it had a thin strip of maybe a couple of inches that, that just to cover the gap. And when you would pull the door open, it would just inexplicably just uh, bend for no, no real clear reason. Uh, Were there any small, thin things on the inside that one could just take out of the half door? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, like, was it useful in some way? No, no, it served no, it served no functional purpose other than to cover the gap of space because you couldn't find wood large enough. But if it uh, was a uh, was a cupboard of glasses or cups. Uh, then you could just open the one side and just grab one quickly. Uh, well, it folded inward. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you couldn't do that. Um, speaking of gluing things together, he also built an entire slide file, like probably about seven feet tall and maybe five feet wide. And he glued the entire thing together. So it was just a series of drawers to keep all his slides in. Uh, probably thousands of slides. The entire thing was made, was held together with glue. And did it last? It lasted a long time, yeah. Yeah. Some strong glue. Yeah, is, apparently. Is or was he doing this to try and save money or some kind of like ego bravado thing that uh, there's no need for another person to come and do this because he could figure it out? I think both of those things factor into his decisions. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, on the one hand, certainly it saves money. He's also, you know, he enjoys doing things with his hands. He gets, I think, some pleasure out of planning something and building it and then having it come together uh, like anyone would. But, uh, yeah, I think he thinks that, that anyone can do that sort of thing, mm -hmm. you know? And they can with different levels of success, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, is it normally that they mostly work, but the aesthetics are weird or that they, yeah, like, they just don't serve the function that uh, they're meant to either? Uh, everything that he does, does physically work. Um, not always in the most convenient way. The high gloss driveway worked to, uh, to get the postman to fall over, the mailman to fall over. Yeah, it was great. He filmed it. He put it on YouTube, <laughs> called it a prank. Uh, I mean, no, he was, he was attempting to seal cracks in the, uh, in the driveway. So the cracks were sealed. Uh, he just, he just, then, you know, created cracks in the bones of the mailman. There is actually a phrase painting over the cracks, which... Is uh, I mean, it sounds like exactly what he does. Right, yeah. Well, uh, that was a deep dive into the DIY of your father. Yeah, it really could honestly be an entire podcast just about that. And maybe I'll make a separate one uh, just to cover all of his stuff. Um, I won. Wait, did I win in week one, two, zero, and then you won last week, two, zero, and then I won this week, two, zero? Uh, I haven't been keeping the score because it doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, you win every episode. Right. I mean, in terms of the content that I produce, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, exactly. Can you, are you, uh, when we finish this podcast, I imagine at some point we'll run out of stories to tell each other, right? Like there, there is a finite number of stories from our lives. There is a finite number. I mean, there's not a finite number that we can lie about. Oh, that's a good point. Well, I mean, technically there is. But if you use up all of your truths in the first three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was thinking was, was uh, at some point this podcast comes to an end. And when that happens, will you tally them up to see whether or not you won? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Or do you even need to tally them up? 
Uh, we've already discussed the champion's belt that we will ferry back and forth on the long distance buses of California. I forgot about that. That's right. <laughs> and now you're saying that you don't care about the score. I just care about the belts. Mm -hmm. I just want to wear a pretty belt. Uh, you just need a belt to keep your pants up. Yeah, they keep falling down. It's embarrassing. Uh, we could be, or we could just have like 20 minutes of silence at the end of this episode. Okay, have a nice day. And you. Bye. Bye. I love Do you think this episode was good? Uh, I think it was okay, yeah. I enjoyed hearing about how you uh, got stuck in the snow. <laughs>